So hello and welcome to the Generation Gap here with me, Clive, and this time again with Anna. Hello, Anna. Hi, Clive. Um, so this time we're going to talk about digital personal assistance. I think that's the correct term, although I'm amazed because it's an American sort of phrase that it's not called a DPA. But anyway, a digital personal assistant. Um, so now there's three main sort of I'm going to not say DPAs uh, of these things. Uh, one is, of course, Alexa, which is Amazon's offering. Another one is called Siri, which is the one you get on your um, iPhones and other Apple devices. And the third one is Google, who have carefully named their Alexa, their sort of Alexa equivalent as Google. So there's an interesting contrast between the ways they're working. Um, now, you know what these things are, I suppose. Have you ever used any of them? Um. So I... I've used Siri, but I don't actually use it very often. I kind of forget that it's on my phone. I mean, sometimes I've had occasions where it's been activated um, just from me speaking, but I haven't been meaning to actually activate it. Um, But we don't have at home an Alexa or a Google. Um, So, no, I don't really use them very often. But I know other people who have like Alexas in their house and who use them frequently and have ones upstairs that are connected to ones downstairs um so yeah i i don't really use them very often actually right i mean the thing is that you you probably have got all three actually because obviously on your phone you've probably got google to do searching and you can speak to your phone and say i say i've got the thing turned off here as i can say is say hey google to it um and it will um then activate in the same way so you don't need to have a device as such and also if you've got an if you've got an amazon app it's also got Alexa built into it, so you can do the same thing there. So you can try. That's why I've tried all of them on the phone as well. Um, but I, I think I, I was wondering if it's really an age thing. I'm not sure if it is, but I feel sort of slightly odd, or sort of uncomfortable, or maybe embarrassed talking to my phone. I mean, obviously, when I'm speaking to someone on my phone, I'm, I'm talking to them on the phone, but that's different. So speaking actually to my phone seems to be a bit of a weird thing to do. And I wonder, as a, as a younger person, you're more used to this. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't really think twice about it, really. But I think I'm more used to speaking to my phone because amongst my generation and amongst the young people, I think we send it, we tend to leave voice notes for uh, and voice messages for our friends. So I think that means that we're more often talking to our phones and we're more used to it. So when it comes to speaking to these digital assistants, we don't feel as strange or as maybe awkward or embarrassed about it but I suppose it is quite a weird phenomenon the fact that we're telling a device not a human being to do something and then it responds to us it's very it's very modern and it when you if you actually do kind of stop and think a bit it does feel a bit strange and a bit bizarre that this device can completely understand what I'm saying and is providing a result from what I've asked them. I think that the idea, of course, goes back quite a long way. I mean, if you watch films and TV shows, um, I was just thinking about this. The the famous one, which you've probably have never seen, is a film called 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was released in 1968. I just actually asked Siri that to get the answer. <laughs> and, really? Um, the, uh, 
it's, it's about, basically it's a it's a space thing, and it actually was very clever because it was actually um, the first film that really tried to sort of show what it's like to be in space, and it's a story of some astronauts going off to a long distance journey to Jupiter on a spacecraft, but their computer, which they speak to, and is called Hal H A L. The computer decides halfway through the voyage that the astronauts are basically in the way of its mission. So it starts trying to kill them all off. Um, and oh. basically, that's the sort of image we got. And the really weird thing is that on the, the film, Hal is represented on the screen by a sort of circle that sort of um, moves around, sort of blurs and unblurs, if that's the word. Um, and I thought about that just now because Siri is exactly the same design. <laughs> Oh yes, yeah, Siri is a yeah. Siri has a lit up edge, doesn't it? Anyway, sort of floating globey thing. Yeah, but then also things like I mean the original Star Trek series, which again is nineteen sixties. Um, they had a computer which they carefully called computer, and they say computer do this, computer you know stop the engines or something. Um, so the idea of having a sort of uh, computerized thing you can talk to and it talks back to you goes back a long way. But of course, it wasn't possible in technology terms until relatively recently. Yeah, so I, I didn't realise that at all. So I suppose that it could be rep. So these digital digital assistants or talking to your computer and then it providing a result from what you've said is actually, yeah, not that new, but couldn't be delivered in practice, but now can be. I wonder where um, Amazon, Google and... Um, Amazon, Google and... Uh, Apple. Uh, Apple, thank you. I couldn't think for a second. Um, Apple, Google, and Apple, um, Amazon, Google, and Apple. I wonder where they get their idea from. I wonder where they that derived from. It could have been from old movies like that, maybe. Oh, it, it is absolutely the the head of Amazon who recently just stepped down. Actually, um, Bozos or Bezos, I never know how to pronounce his name. He's a mad Star Trek fan. fan. That's why he's got his own space program as well. Um, and I think that's where a lot of these things do come from. You know, the ideas come from seeing these things on TV shows and whatever. Um, but of course, I mean, things like Google, the, the idea was quite simple. You, you know, you and I and nearly everybody else, probably 90% of the time when you're searching for something, you basically type it into Google. But at the same time, you could just literally speak to your phone or whatever and say, um, what the same question and it does work very well and obviously what it does is go away and, and come back with the answer to the questions because they've got uh, supercomputers all over the world which you basically are checking the details on and so speaking to them is just a, a different way of accessing it yes I think people are I think when you speak to your phone or you can yeah your phone I think people are more likely to do it in their house than they would be in public I think there's I think it feels it feel a bit weird to be walking down the street and just be like asking Siri something. Well, maybe I'd feel a bit weird doing that. But then I suppose in the home, it's quite it's quite a no- it would be quite normal a normal thing to do because you wouldn't have other people around you that maybe looking at you when you were saying um, certain things to your phone and asking it a question. But um, I think I actually was doing some research, and it's quite interesting how. Um, there's actually been some recordings of um, Alexa and Siri where um, the, the recordings have featured private res- um, discussions um, and these recordings have been accompanied by user data which have been showing the location of the recording, the contact details and like, the data from the app that, uh, that the person's using. Um, and it's I was reading how Apple staff are encouraged to listen for technical problems rather 
rather than for the function of reporting content. But it's quite interesting how even though staff are listening for the purpose of technical issues, what would it's a bit of a moral a moral question could arise as to whether if they heard something that was maybe criminal in nature or was controversial, would they what would they do with that information? And I think I didn't realise that there are people out there kind of listening to some recordings that you're talking to your that are being taken from your phone um, and are then using that for their job but in not not for the purpose of listening to the content but for the purpose of technical listening to technical problems but I thought that was do you find that quite scary well yes I mean one of the reactions a lot of people have and and quite rightly too is to say well I've got one of these devices sitting in my living room my kitchen whatever um, or bedroom sometimes um, and it's listening to me and what's it doing now of course the the sort of official answer to that is that to you have a what they call a wake word so for example with siri you say siri uh, and with um, alexa you say alexa and with google you say hey google now you you can fool these and you can do things they obviously make mistakes i mean you can easily say to siri hey kiri or something like that with yeah. Google, you can say um, you know, "oodle." Oodle works quite well, um, so it's yeah. obviously not perfect that. And so it, it can come on randomly because people have, you know, just been talking to somebody else in the house, maybe, and just said something. And in fact, I did say "Google" to you, and my little box in the corner here did suddenly switch itself on. <laughs> so, so I thought, yeah, so, I forgot that. So when you turn it off, does it? St- when you, how do you reactivate it again? Do you have to just? say hey google and it will turn right back on again that's the idea but it's got a microphone obviously and you can actually turn the microphones off completely so um it it shouldn't hear anything at all and obviously it won't then answer any questions you ask it but um obviously you have to then trust it the other issue which i think you you sort of maybe have read in that article you're talking about is that they do work slightly differently the the amazon ones alexa basically goes straight back to amazon um, with all the things, then it gets the answer for a computer and sends it back. With Google, I think it's fairly similar. But with Apple, they say that it works differently. They they anonymize the um, request on your phone. And so although it does consult a computer somewhere else, it doesn't relate it to you. Whereas you know, Amazon wants it to relate to you because if you say, oh, I really want one of those new gadgets, then of course, the first thing they do is email you immediately it's offering you a special deal to buy that gadget if you order it in the next 10 minutes it's not quite that efficient but the principle's there so you know you might say oh i really want one of those things or whatever and then you'll suddenly notice next time you log on to your computer that adverts for those things appear on your screen and you th- perhaps don't realize that you triggered it yeah that's quite scary to think that um, amazon have that data on you and then can tailor kind of their adverts and like their emails and their like publications to you and what you want I mean that that's kind of a bit if I feel a bit cynical for saying it but it feels like it's a bit of a money-making tactic and a way to keep keep you interested in their company well no you can say that because it's absolutely true of course it is um I think what what's silly though I mean obviously they've got these computers which which check on what you've bought and what your book you've read and that sort of thing if you bought it from them or what music you're listening to um but what I find quite amusing is that same computers then often email me and say you know you bought this book would you like another copy uh well no I wouldn't (laughs) 
No, and I've already got stuff. one. I don't need another. Yeah, yeah. And, and some strange things I bought, like a special plug socket thingy for my caravan. Um, and again, it keeps sending me things saying, do you want to buy another one? Well, why on earth would I want another one? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, That's a so fault it, in the system. Well, it's obviously they haven't got it quite worked out because, I mean, some things that you've bought, you may want to buy again. I mean, it's like, I mean with a supermarket, if they did that and said, do you want to buy another tin of this or another pack of something else like that? Then obviously it's something they know you might have eaten in the last couple of weeks. So they send you, do you want to buy another one now? Um, so yeah. it's sort of working on this kind of stuff, but it isn't obviously that isn't quite as clever as it should be, perhaps. But it's obviously going to get there. So you'll have a personal shopper. And, you know, you'll, you'll be basically having your assistant saying, OK, I want to buy one of these. We use eggs up, you know, six a week. So therefore, at the end of the week, we need another six eggs. So we order them for us automatically. Is that has there been do you know if there's been like re, is there people who are creating digital or personal shoppers at the moment? Almost certainly. And also, I mean, the scary ones, if you want to be scared about this, is things like a fridge. I think. It's, it's, Amazon is pushing this very heavily, and so I think there's, um, I think it was a, a Samsung fridge or something like that, and the fridge is intelligent, so it knows what you've got inside it, and it reads barcodes and things like that, or can do, and so if it if it's got a, you know the thing saying use this by such and such a date, it will then sort of ring an alarm and say you've got to use this because it's going out of date tomorrow or something like that. Oh, so it will remind you, you re- to eat. Yeah, and then it'll order order and order the next ones as well. Even if you don't want them, and you know it can do things like it tells you you've got this, this, and this in your fridge, so I can give you three recipes you could use to use these ingredients up. Oh, wow, that's, how about that Friday? That, yeah, that's so intelligent, and I mean, it's quite exciting how technology can like help us in that way. In I mean, such a I mean that is quite a useful way to be using technology, but then. Sometimes I suppose it could be a bit frustrating if you did if you <laughs> didn't want something to be ordered and your personal shopper goes ahead and orders it like that's that's unhelpful but I think no I was just going to say these things are kind of they don't really feel necessary but they help us like having a shop personal shopping assistant helps us but it's not particularly necessary we can you could make a list on the inside of your fridge of all the sell-by dates of the food that's in it. Like you don't need a personal assistant. And I suppose, um, I suppose, I wonder how expensive these things are to get. And I imagine at the start they probably will be really expensive because they're new, and I mean demand might be high for them. But yeah, I didn't realize that these things were actually being created. Well, it's worse than that, you see, because, of course, you might have said you might have walked around your supermarket and said, oh, that looks interesting. We'll try that. And you take it home and cook whatever it is. And you say, no, I don't really like that very much. But it's got it on the list. So it keeps ordering it every week for another one for you. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then that becomes unhelpful because you don't want it. Yeah. Um, so I think, well, I mean, these things are all sort of extensions of what, what's being done already and what you can do already. And I suppose, they're, as you say, they're, they're obviously potentially interesting, but I think sometimes they're going to be quite limiting. And obviously, um, it's all trying to get you, especially in the case of Amazon, let's be honest, they're just trying to get you to buy more stuff. And I don't know if you Definitely. noticed the article recently that's saying that um, there's a shortage of cardboard boxes in the country and some smaller companies find it difficult to send out stuff because they haven't got any cardboard boxes. And guess where they've all gone? Yeah, to Amazon. <laughs> because Amazon's got them all. 
Oh, really? Um, um, if your house is like mine, we, we've got about, about 10 empty Amazon boxes in a sort of big pile somewhere. Yeah, things as a family, we don't actually order very much from Amazon. And I think we don't we don't have Prime or we don't have Netflix. We're not really, I suppose we don't really buy buy into kind of the, the that culture. But I think... Yeah, I, I suppose Amazon is such a big player in the market now. And it's interesting how these big um, companies such as Amazon, Google um, and uh, Amazon, Google, Amazon and Google. It's interesting how they kind of dominate the whole market. And those are the companies that will be, will be coming out with the new te- types of technology, such as the personal shopper or the shopping assistant. And I mean... I suppose that could have a negative effect on smaller businesses who may be doing more specialised, who are making more specialised technology and don't have a kind of a a hand in the race of creating these new ways of um, using technology and the different purposes that it's used for. Um, I think... It's interesting how in recent years, like Amazon and Google, well, Google's always been massive, but Amazon is is a huge company. And as you were mentioning with the um, cardboard box example, it shows that that they dominate even in, on a small scale, and they dominate even on a on small scale things such as what like cardboard boxes that every company would need. Um, that Amazon is is the biggest company that's using the most um yeah i think also um i mean one of the things is that um it's very annoying if you order something from amazon sometimes you get quite a big box arrives and you open it up and it's just basically got a little tiny thing you've ordered in the middle with a whole load of packing around it um because they, they've got standard it feels like such boxes, a waste Exactly. Well, I think that is an issue, though, because obviously, um, if you're ordering stuff and it's going to be delivered to you, if you get sort of your environmental hat on, you think, hang on a minute, that truck has got to go to a big warehouse somewhere and pick up that box and then bring it along to me and drive all the way and use up all that petrol and issue, you know, get out all that carbon dioxide and whatever to deliver me this parcel, which I could in theory, have gone down to a shop and bought myself, probably walked to my local shop if it was available. Um, so that's the sort of issues as well, because when you multiply that by the hundreds of millions of parcels that are being delivered every day or week, then uh, you start thinking, actually, perhaps it's not such a good idea. I don't know. A different no, yeah, subject, I suppose. Maybe. Yeah, it, I suppose it is a bit of a different subject, but it, yeah, it's easy to kind of not think about where how those boxes get to your house. Um but yeah, the amount of surely if if the boxes were smaller, more would be able to fit in one van, which would mean that there maybe would be less vans making the journey to deliver the boxes, which would maybe use less petrol, create less CO two. So I mean, that's kind of a, a small example of a way that less kind of the environment could be affected less. They're, they're um, obviously they they have standard boxes, but sometimes they haven't got enough of particular ones. They just stuff everything into a bigger box because they've got to get it out in ten seconds or whatever. The people working there in the in the warehouses have to sort of deliver how many packages they've got to pack up in a few minutes and that sort of thing. So it's quite a, it's quite a sort of strenuous thing to do, and um, they're all under pressure to get everything out the door. Yeah, and I imagine they don't have the time to be sourcing the exact right size box. 
exactly and also i mean i was thinking about deliveries i mean you know where i live and i'm sure you're not not much different um during the daytime i don't know how many vans come up the road delivering parcels and there's umpteen different delivery vans and all the supermarket delivery people um and, yeah uh, i have so, a lot of, a lot of them in my area well i think it's pretty common around this part of the world so um that's also part of this. So you can use your digital assistant to do your shopping. Um, I've I've got one for one of the supermarkets, which is not quite a, the same, but basically I can uh, sort of write things on a list and I can go around the shop and sort of look, look, look at the list and beep off the things as I go around. So when I get to the till, it's already added up and um, basically I just have to pay the bill and walk out. Um, that's quite clever. I like that. It's not actually a, a digital assistant in the same way but it is a sort of different version of it um and i think i'm not quite sure whether it's quicker than going to the till and queuing up and then somebody zapping all things through for me but it doesn't feel quicker it feels i mean so it does feel quicker than than that because by the time you reach the end there's a queue of people queuing up to the till you just walk past them and go to a special till and uh, basically pay for the stuff and walk out that does seem oh wow i didn't realize that existed so can you is that in any supermarket you can create your list and then just pay at the end i don't know which ones uh, do it um i'm talking about uh, sainsbury's in this case but i'm sure that I, I think waitrose certainly has it i imagine the others do as well but basically you have an app on your phone where you can use to sort of sort it all out beforehand and go in and um, basically just pick up all the stuff and uh, wave the bar, o- bar over the barcode and it, it sort of um, adds them all onto your list to calculate it and then you pay at the end. It's quite a clever Who system. Who creates course, that app? Uh, well, the supermarket's got it, their own one. And of course, I can do an online shopping using the same sort of system. So then I can order on online and it comes. It's probably the same thing really in a slightly different form. Um, so they know, and they know what yeah. they've got in stock of everything. That's always fun. You know, you can actually check on whether they've got something in stock or not in a particular shop you're going to go to that is actually very useful i i'm an, i'm want to do more research into this now i that could be really much more efficient when shopping i suppose that is a good idea rather than waiting until you have all your items at the end of the shop and queuing up um outside the checkout you could just t- you could put them all on as you go and then quickly have you found that it is quicker I think it is. I mean, obviously, you have to remember to sort of um, scan everything as you put it in your basket and so on. But you can obviously pack it straight into your own bags as well because you don't need to keep it separately in the trolley and put your own bags and then put everything in. Um, and um, basically, uh, yeah, that's that's how you do it. Um, yeah, I'm, do gonna, it. I'm actually going to have a look at that because I didn't realise it existed. I suppose that oh, is a version of kind of your own personal shopping. Um well, it is. And obviously, uh, again, if you go to the same shop, most of the times, you know what you want exactly. And so you can identify it and sort of put it on the list and then just pick it up. So uh, it's, it's, it's all quite clever stuff. Um, but it is, again, you know, them encouraging you to go and spend money with them, which is what they want you to do. If you're doing food, it's, you've got to eat it anyway. So you've got to buy food somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I suppose it's making the supermarket experience much more efficient and quick. And that entices people to come to your supermarket because nobody, I suppose it's a kind of a, it's a bit of a chore, I suppose, going to the supermarket or it's, it's something you have to do. So I suppose any way that it can be made quicker or more efficient and a bit less laborious is attractive to customers. So they're more likely to go to supermarkets that provide those services. I suppose it's about people knowing that that exists because I didn't actually know that 
that exists maybe my mum does but I'm not sure we haven't spoken about it as a family but um it's about getting the message out there that some supermarkets do do um these this type of a type of shopping assistant maybe the net maybe the next thing could be that you wouldn't people won't even have to travel around shops there will be machines or pickers going to find everything or maybe I suppose a bit like online shopping you could even you could go into the store have your bag already all of your shopping already pre-packed and pre-picked for you and then just leave the supermarket without having to actually go around or find anything that could be maybe a next step that's going to happen but I suppose there's there's constant advancements where does it end um what will be the next kind of advancement Okay, actually, what you just described is already available. You can certainly order stuff now and it, you just drive to the shop and it's already packed up for you and there's a, a point you just pick it up and put it in your car, basically. Um, I so suppose that, that's kind of the same idea as click and collect, actually. Well, it is, basically, yes. Um, the, yeah. Where can it go? I can tell you the answer to that, too, because Amazon has got a few experimental stores in the United States which are completely robotic. There's no staff in there at all. And basically, you have a you know a, an Amazon card of some kind, so you can get in the door. When you get in there, you can buy everything, and it's obviously every time you pick something up and put it in your basket, it's it's. I think they've got a, a trolley which has got a bar reader on it anyway. It just basically zap, goes bip bip bip, gets to the end, put your credit card in, out the door, and that's it. And there's no. Oh, well, there's, there's no humans there serving you. No humans at all. No, that's right. I suppose that could have a downside. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'm going to look those up more after this. But um, I suppose that could have a downside because some people like the chit-chat of the supermarket till, which you just won't get if there's a robot there, unless they talk. But I'm, I'm not sure they do. Well, no, I mean, the robots are basically things like tills. But, um, but I mean, essentially, I know in Japan they have these sort of walking along robots, which are sort of humanoid, like sort of childlike robots. And they go around and say, have you tried this today? Or did you know we got a special offer on that? And this kind of thing. So um, that's sort of coming as well. But the Japanese are much more used to sort of working with robots like that. I don't know why. It's, it's a bit different in our cultures, sort of. Bit, bit suspicious of these things um but yes, definitely definitely it's, it's all coming it's all coming i'm afraid yes you'll, you'll see all these things <laughs> it's quite fascinating i find it's very it's very interesting to i suppose this is a completely industry and an industry that's really evolving and growing like rapidly because there kind of seems to be no limits with ai and technology and there's always kind of something that can be maybe made more efficient or quicker or more user friendly maybe through technology so there's scope for improvement constantly i think the thing to me i mean over the last year or so obviously we've all had more time to play around with things and one of the things i have been playing around with is with these digital assistants every now and then i just think oh i just try this or i want to look something up i'll speak to one of my digital assistants and ask the questions and to be honest i've been quite disappointed that all of them are fairly uh, poor at answering questions you can have a sort of conversation oh, really? with them you can have a conversation with them you know ask a question and then they give you an answer and you want to follow up with the answer after that and all of them can do that to some extent but they get a bit lost in in what they're doing and, and they don't necessarily come up with the right answer i mean the most annoying ones and particularly siri does this too often is that you ask a question and then it comes back and says here's what i found on wikipedia you know appears on your screen and that's really not very helpful you mm. think you want to want to actually answer the question um 
So yeah, exactly. Because then that requires you to go and read the whole Wikipedia article, which you could have just looked up yourself. Yeah, that's it. Now, the other thing I want to ask is uh, ask you about is the, the sort of there's a psychology thing I think I want to ask about these digital assistants. Um, when you have um, Alexa, basically you've got Alexa. It's a female voice, and that's it. You can't change it, and you also can't change the name of the. You can't call it, you know, Kate or sophie or something it's it's always going to be called alexa and one of the interesting things i've seen a i've seen an article saying that um, the things which people ask for most you know they sort of approach amazon and say well we'd really like it to do this and do that the thing they ask most is could we change its name and the the thing and amazon's answer is the things we won't ever do number one we won't ever change its name um so you're stuck with alexa one of the interesting things yeah so it's a straight no yeah, but one of the interesting things is that you look at the list of girls' names. You know, every year they publish a sort of list of top ten girls' names and boys' names for new babies. Yeah, uh, and Alexa went from sort of being in the top ten down to about one hundred and fifty because people just didn't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know that's really funny because there was a um someone I knew at my at a guide group that I volunteered at, or well, I was part of, and then I became a young leader of. Um, she was called Alexa and we were all found it really funny that her name was the same as a digital assistant um but yeah I, suppose I bet she didn't find it funny she? Ch- <laughs> no probably, probably not um yeah I suppose it's interesting how people don't want their child to be based off of a robot or not based off of sorry named after well, exactly. Now, Google, as I said, went past this and just said, it's called Google. That's it, you know, and it's just a, a voice. You can choose a male or a female vo- voice, but it's basically going to be always called Google. Uh, with Siri, you've got a much more sort of, if you look on your phone and something and work, work out, you can go and change the voice. You can change it to male or female and you can change the accent. So in English, you can choose um, an Irish or an Australian or a South African accent, which is quite fun to play with. I've done that um, a few times. Oh, I'm going to try that. Um, But also the the other question, the psychological thing is I've chosen to have a female voiced Siri. And I know that I don't think I've ever found any other man who hasn't made that choice. Well, I have come across a few women who have got a female voice, but the vast majority of women choose a male voice, which is, I always think, quite interesting sort of psychological thing. I don't know why we all do that. What do you think? Yeah. Um, uh, maybe, well, mm, maybe, um, uh, maybe it's... Oh, maybe it's more comforting to hear the opposite gender. Uh, um, oh, I don't. I'm not actually sure. I suppose if I was going to make the choice, I'd probably maybe I'd try out a male voice because it's more different to my own, which is a bit more interesting. Um, or maybe it comes down to women feel more maybe like technology is more associated with males and men maybe sometimes are more interested in that side of things so that's why the voice that's why they would choose a male voice because it seems more trustworthy um goodness I I really don't know why that would be the case uh 
Okay, just a thought. Do you have so any other, ideas? Well, no, the other thing is that digital personal assistant, the term personal assistant is one which has been used for, I suppose, the last 20 years or so on to basically a sort of office type environment or in a company. You know, the, the senior staff have assistants who are called personal assistants. And really that's because they don't call them secretaries anymore. I mean, if you go back 20, 30 years, you'll find obviously people um, in business tend to be, the senior people tend to be men and they tended to have assistants who were almost invariably women and of course in the earlier yeah. days they were they were typing letters for them that kind of stuff and so that's where the sort of idea has come from and I think that the the concept of a per- personal assistant and a digital personal assistant is that they're trying to replace to some extent that sort of um, relationship so whereas before um, you know 30 40 years ago um, a senior manager who was a man would have a woman assistant who he would basically dictate a letter to and she'd go off and type it and bring it back for him to sign, that sort of thing. And you can therefore dictate to your um, computer a letter to type and you can just dictate it straight in the com- machine. It's not necessarily part of yeah. Siri or whatever, but it's the same concept. And it does work quite well, actually. I've been quite surprised because I don't... <laughs> I'm, Never really thought of doing that very much, but obviously you're all used to typing stuff. But you can just sit back and, and speak it. Um, obviously, what comes Yeah, up... I've tried that. Oh, you have? But Last what... lockdown, I, I was getting a bit fed up of typing, so I was tr- I tried um, I tried uh, using voice um, speaking to my computer and voice typing in it. It actually worked quite well. It was... Um, but it definitely means that you have to go back and edit kind of what you've said. Um, but I suppose that's even if you type it, you have to do the same thing. But um, it's it's very easy to do. Yeah, I think that's right. But then you have to do this strange terminology, like sort of sentence three, delete the word X, put in this instead, or you know, delete this word or something like that. And you have to start learning a language of how to speak to your computer. And actually, you know, perfectly yeah, well. yeah. far quicker to just sit there and do the editing yourself, isn't it? Yeah, because you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to spend the time actually thinking of how to communicate the idea. But I definitely think I definitely agree with you as as to how the concept of a secretary and kind of manager relationship is trying to be replicated. And maybe that is why men seem to choose a female um, voice when choosing what voice they want for their personal assistant, because that's maybe what they associate. They maybe they associate a personal assistant as being female so it sounds more natural for a female voice to be used um i think that's maybe, where i was yeah. i think that's where i was getting to now, actually when i was quite young um in my 20s i was in a job where um, i worked for this guy who was quite senior and um so he had a personal assistant who was a, a young woman and um, i remember once that um, he was away on business for a week or something like this and she was basically bored and she came to me and said well you know can i help you can i do anything for you sort of thing like um you know if you want to write any letters you can i can do it for you so i thought okay i'll give it a try and it was really quite funny because i found it really really difficult to um sort of think of a letter you know write read it out or say it out for her to write it down because i think oh i couldn't get it in my mind you know the sort of getting the order of what i wanted to say very easily it was actually really quite challenging yeah 
and I think obviously nowadays I'd probably be easier to do that but it was quite a skill I, it's something I hadn't really noticed I'd seen him just sitting there and reeling off you know okay take a letter to Mr Jones and here it is blah 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 blah, blah and the rest of it and um, that suddenly I suddenly realized how skillful that actually was to do that job <laughs> yes yeah no I completely I can actually understand that a little as well because when I was in last lockdown, when I was speaking to my computer, it is a lot harder to kind of construct a sentence when you're speaking it out loud, I think, than when you're writing it down. Like the thought process is a bit different, I think. And um, I also find that I'm usually a bit more concise when I type because you can pause, you can wait before you write your next word. Whereas when you're speaking, it has to be more fluid and um, more kind of seamless between the sentences whereas when you're typing you can pause you can delete what you've written then you can rewrite it so there's a lot more room for editing as you're going along whereas when you're speaking it kind of what you say is your is there like you it's not like you can go back and edit and someone hasn't heard what you've said everyone's heard exactly what you've said um yeah if you understand my meaning i do i think you don't realize how lucky you are in the old days when we had typewriters you had to type out a letter or something and you couldn't go back and delete it well you, you could but you had to have this stuff called snowpake which is a white liquid stuff you had to sort of actually physically paint over the top of the letter that you or the, or the words that you didn't want anymore and then then retype wait for it to dry and then retype it over the top of it um which is <laughs> such a lengthy process well, it's just really ridiculous. Compared to- and you, you could type more than one copy at a time, but you couldn't type more than about four or five. And you had this sort of um, carbon paper between them and had to put it in the typewriter. I don't know. Perhaps I'm being a bit rude here, but I don't know if you've ever seen a typewriter or ever tried to use one. It's quite an interesting thing to look at now. It's a museum piece, I suppose. But basically, that was how you had yeah, to do I, everything in those I days. I haven't used one, actually. Yeah, no, I haven't used one, but... Um... I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm quite fascinated by them. It seems quite fun to um, try it out. Uh, but yeah, I suppose now you can make multiple copies of any document you make and you can print out however many you wish to if, if you have access to a printer. But with the typewriting, yeah, you're very much more limited on how many copies of a letter, for example, you can create. Um, yeah, you could... le- it's less. Pro- I would say it's less productive than now. Yeah, but you see, the thing is nowadays, I mean, in those days when you had to only make four copies, you basically thought, well, who are the four most important people to send copies to? Nowadays, you can say, oh, I'll copy it to everybody in the business, you know, I can copy it to a thousand people by email. <laughs> so it's not necessarily productive because yeah. you're sending out to way more people who have to bother reading it and decide whether it's important or not. So it's not, not necessarily the same thing. That's a whole discussion again. We've got lots of subjects we could talk about from this, I think. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. We're going down lots of different roads, which is always interesting. It is. Um, anyway, look, I think we're probably, probably running out of time now. So um, it's nice to speak to you again, uh, yeah. Anna. And th- thank you for all that conversation. Um, and uh, I'm no, not sure we got you. to any con- any conclusion, except I imagine you're going to go off and try and play with your DPAs now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I definitely am. I'm very intrigued. <laughs> well, as definitely. I said, I think... The thing is, if you've got, um, particularly if you've got Google app on your phone, you'll find you can just, there's a little speaker on the bottom somewhere. You can just click on that and you can speak and answer the questions you normally ask um, by typing them. And you, you can do that. And it works quite well. And it obviously comes back with exactly the same answer. 
Um, so if, it, if it's a good answer, it's a good answer. But um, it doesn't always necessarily read it out. It sometimes just makes it appear on the screen to you, even if you speak it. And that's what I think isn't quite right in the way it works. I want it to read the answer out to me. So, yeah, so then you don't have to read it. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that makes it more, it's kind of like if you're speaking to your personal assistant, you want them to respond in the same way. Exactly. You want a conversational thing. And I say they can do that, but it's not really that good yet. Um, You know, the days when you'd be able to have a real conversation with a computer is still a little way off, I think. But we'll see. I'm sure it'll get get there. No, definitely. And then you won't need to speak to anyone. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how. Oh, no, that would be terrible. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how this whole kind of market um, develops. Absolutely. I want to keep an eye on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you won't be able to avoid it, I think, really. And and try going to one of the supermarkets, which has the um, sort of self... Uh, help things and you find that I, I imagine they're all doing that but um, I, I I don't go around to all the different supermarkets myself very often I've got one two favorites um, and uh, but they certainly do offer these as we all these do new systems yeah okay right well look um, thanks very much Anna and um, we'll uh, speak to you again soon I'm sure and uh, so yeah you've definitely listen- right, you've been listening to the Generation Gap show here on Radio Veron with me Clive and with Anna this time we've been talking about digital personal assistance sort of and around the subject because it's all a fascinating thing to talk about so um, we'll be back um, with another program shortly and I hope you enjoyed it and you can always uh, catch up with these programs as podcasts on radioverilum.com thank you for listening <laughs>